feel like every week we come into this for the NFL, we stray further from understanding who the best teams are. The Cardinals got blown out by the Lions. The Bucks got shut out by the Saints with Taysom Hill as their quarterback. Granted, the Buccaneers did lose a lot of guys on offense, but still, I mean, getting shut out by the Saints... The Cardinals losing to the Lions. The only the only certainty we have right now feels like the Chiefs, which is weird because it was what uh, seven weeks ago that we thought the the roof was caving in on them when they got blown out by the Titans. This is the weirdest year for football, for NFL football that I have seen in a very long time, and I've only been alive for 24 years. So let's say conscious for. 17 years and even then what's like conscious about football let's say consciously actively knowing about football for 13 years yeah let's say that this is the weirdest year ever in the history of the 13 years that I've been alive and consciously watching football this has probably been the most confusing and I think it's right now just a race to whoever can whoever can reach the Super Bowl slash playoffs the playoffs slash Super Bowl and be healthy. The healthiest team is going to win everything. And right now, feels like the Chiefs. They got Clark back. They got Melvin Ingram still. They haven't had a whole lot of injuries in their secondary. They've had some issues with um, their running backs. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire got hurt for a little while, but he's back now. Um, the receiving core hasn't had too much. I think Kelsey went out for a little bit because of an injury, if I remember correctly. And then um, Holmes seems like he's fine. So we're just going to say that the Chiefs are the best team in the league. How about that, huh? They were 3-4 and four at the start of the year. In seven games in, they were 3-4, and four, and now they're 10-4. and four. They've won seven in a row. Welcome to the NFL in 2021. And with that, we're going to get into all of that a little later on. Every piece of NFL action other than the four games that are still yet to be played as of recording this, um, we're going to get into all that. But first, we're going to talk about some Wyoming Cowboys uh, the football game, their bowl game is coming up in a mere 20 hours as of recording this, 4 o'clock on, on uh, Monday the 20th. Welcome to the Weekend Sports Wrap, by the way. I'm your host, James Timberlake. The um, Cowboys football game is finally here uh, after almost a month of time off. The Pokes will take on the Kent State Golden Flashes and the famous Idaho Potato Ball on Tuesday at 1.30 PM these past few weeks while we have while we have waited have kind of gone through and uh, made a rough outline of Kent State's season up to this point looking at their schedule and individual individual standouts on their team uh, now with this segment sunsetting as the game approaches we will take a look at their team stats before kickoff to kind of uh, ramp everything up uh, Kent State is an offense dominated team they have one of the best offenses in the country when it comes to yards per game where they average 464 yards per game which ranks 11th best in the NCAA Division One, Their yards don't turn into too many points, however, averaging just 30.3 points per game this season, which is 43rd in the country. They have one of the best rushing attacks in the country as well, averaging the 10th most rushes per game with 44.6 and the 9th most rush yards per game with 222.3 per game this season. Their passing attack hasn't been as potent as their rushing attack, but they've, had, they've only had to pass it uh, 42% of the time this season, but the, when they do throw it, they average about 8 yards per pass, 36th best in the country, and 241.9 yards per game, which is 58th best in the country. Kent State makes uh, makes their bread on the offensive side of the ball for sure, and it shows one of the only downsides on the offensive side of the ball has been their pass protection, where they give up a sack 
8.67% of the time, which is uh, the 20th worst rank in the country. Their defense, on the other hand, has been very lackluster all season long. They have a couple of ball hawks. We talked about them earlier uh, last week in the individual portion of this uh, pregame week, I guess, if, if you want to call it that. Um, they're at their best when they're forcing turnovers, ranking in the top 20 in the nation in takeaways per game with 1.8 per game while having a top 15 rank and turnover margin this season. Uh, however, that's where the positives pretty much end for Kent State's defense. They've given up 37.2 points per game and 482.2 yards per game, both 10th worst in the country. Individually, their rush defense gives up about 4.8 yards per attempt, 18th worst, and 194.6 rush yards per game, which is 17th worst. Their pass defense hasn't fared much better. They've given up 7.8 yards per pass, 38th worst in the country, and 287.6 yards per game, which is 5th worst in the country, the bottom five there. Uh, penalties have also bitten the Golden Flashes this season as well. They average 7.3 penalties per game, which is the 21st most in the country, as well as 66.7 penalty yards per game, which is 17th most. This game will be a matchup of uh, two buzzsaws on opposing, on opposing sides of the ball. Kent State's fantastic offensive attack will be running into one of the best defensive de defenses they've played all season. It's probably the Cowboys have not, probably not the best team defensively that they've played all season. They played Iowa earlier in the year, and I think clearly Iowa defensively is probably better than the Pokes. But uh, this is probably one or two, or this is probably number two on that list. Um, but uh, and vice versa, the Poke defense will be taking on undoubtedly the best offense they've seen all year long as well. Prediction time. I'm making a prediction here. Prediction time. I think the Wyoming Cowboy defense, look, here's the thing. I'm making a prediction here. I have no idea what's going to happen. Neither is anybody else that's going to talk about this. Nobody knows what is going to happen. I just like making predictions because I like looking at numbers, okay? Don't judge me for it. I'm probably going to be way off. It's probably going to be 56 to 45 or something stupid like that. But uh, I have it as a low-scoring game. I think uh, the Cowboy defense will be able to do just enough to slow down the Kent State offensive uh, offensive attack, and the Cowboy rushing attack is certainly good enough to effectively rush against the Kent State defense and control the pace of the game in the way that they want. But Kent State's got that ability, too. Uh, the Cowboys just have a better defense than Kent State does for sure, um, so I think they'll be able to make some stops here and there, and they can uh, get the big plays where they need them. I have the Cowboys winning this one in a low-scoring game, 27-24. to like I said, don't know what I'm talking about. I just read the numbers. I don't know. I've never met any of these Cowboys players. That's not true. I know Parker Christensen. Shout out to Parker Christensen. He's a tight end. We went bowling together one time. Long time ago. But he knows me. I know him. Other than that, don't know anything about, you know, nobody else is going to know what the score of this game is. Nobody's going to know it. They'll get lucky and maybe hit it on the head. But nobody knows what's going to happen. That's the great thing about all of this. It's just guessing. You're using the information that you have on hand and making the best generic guess that you can to make a cool prediction. That's sports predictions for you. You just learned a lot about sports predictions. You can do it. I can do it. That's why sports gambling is so much fun, because nobody has any idea what's going to happen. Anyways, rant over. You can listen to all the action of the famous Idaho Potato Bowl between Wyoming and Kent State Tuesday afternoon on 1410 AM and 106.9 FM KWIO with pregame scheduled for noon and kickoff scheduled for 1.30. The Wyoming Cowboy basketball team will be back in action this week after taking a long 11-day break from their last game. They will be hitting the road to Hawaii to tip off the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic Tournament. The tournament will consist of eight teams, Liberty, Northern Iowa, Stanford, BYU, 
South Florida, Vanderbilt, Hawaii, and obviously the Cowboys. Uh, the Pokes are guaranteed three games running all the way through Christmas Day and will open the tournament on Wednesday with a matchup against Stanford with tips scheduled for 3.30. And the winner of that game will take on the winner of the uh, Liberty and Northern Iowa game, while the losers of both those matchups will take on one another as well. Uh, we won't have times for those other two matchups for the Pokes until they're set, but nonetheless, we will have all three of those games for you on 1410 AM and 106.9 FM at KW. Y-O as well. The Wyoming Cowgirl basketball team is uh, coming off a big 10-day break as well this week, and uh, this they will be on the road to take on Nebraska in their lone matchup this week. The Cowgirls will take on the Huskers, then get another decent break in before taking on uh, San Diego State next Tuesday. A game against Nebraska, I didn't write that down, but a game against Nebraska is this Wednesday. Um, you can listen to all those games and the and all the Cowgirls basketball games on Smart Talk 106.3 FM all season long. Delicious McDonald's deals are now more fun, more accessible, and better than ever through the McDonald's mobile app. Get free large fries when you download the app and join my McDonald's rewards. Get your choice of hash browns, vanilla cone, McChicken, or a cheeseburger free after your first purchase. The new mobile ordering feature lets you use your smartphone to place your order, pay for it, pick it up. Go to Google Play or Apple App Store and download the new McDonald's mobile app and start saving today. McDonald's, there's an app for that. The Denver Broncos moving on to the NFL. The Denver Broncos took on the Cincinnati Bengals this Sunday and in a game with massive playoff implications, as we outlined last week. The Broncos' offense couldn't get out of its own way. Teddy Bridgewater barely attempted to look downfield before a scary head injury sidelined him for the rest of the game. Um, the Drew Locke was wild when he attacked deep, and the Broncos fell to the Bengals 15-10. Teddy Bridgewater was not having a great day on Sunday before a scary head injury ended his game early. He is um, he's doing okay. I read today he was um, admitted to the hospital last night, then they let him out earlier today with concussion syndromes or syndromes, symptoms, uh, concussion symptoms, but um, seems like he's doing okay. Um, but for the rest of this game, obviously his deepest completion uh, before he got hurt, traveled a mere uh, 11 yards downfield, and he took only and he took 25 dropbacks, not a recipe for success. Um, Drew Locke came in after Bridgewater got hurt, and he was far more aggressive but also much more erratic, recording just a 50% adjusted completion percentage. Um, it was a straight 50-50 split, split for carries in the Bronco backfield. Javante Williams cl clearly came out on top statistically of his 15 carries. Five resulted in first downs, and he finished with 72 yards. Melvin Gordon got 53 yards with his 15 carries. Outside of Tim Patrick's awesome catch for the Broncos, alone touchdown of the day, the Broncos receivers had arguably their worst day they've had all season. Uh, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy combined to haul in only three catches on 14 targets for 21 yards without a single first down. The Bronco offensive line had a rough day as well after having arguably their best game of the season last week, especially on the right side of the line. Right guard Bobby Massey gave up two pressures and two hurries, while guard uh, right tackle, excuse me, right tackle Quinn Miners gave up two pressures, one hurry, and one sack. Center Lloyd Cushenberry also allowed two pressures, one hurry, and a sack as a whole. The uh, Bronco offensive line gave up nine pressures, five hurries, and three sacks in the game. On the defensive side of the line, Bradley Chubb had another quiet day post-injury, managing only two pressures on Sunday against the Bengals. Uh, Shelby Harris had two hurries of his own and notched a sack as well. And the rest of the defensive line also had a pretty quiet day, getting two sacks and eight hurries. The Broncos may have a savior 
and their linebacking core and Jonas Griffith, second year undrafted free agent from Indiana State, took over the Will linebacker spot for Kenny Young when he got hurt, and he was all over the field on Sunday. He racked up seven defensive stops to lead all players. He was also fantastic in coverage, getting targeted six times and allowed only 13 yards with no first downs. They got a dog in the Will linebacker spot right now. Somebody they just found, put him on. I think they signed him to the the practice squad, if I remember correctly, and then brought him up, and look what he's doing. It's beautiful. Uh, The Broncos' secondary went largely untested all game besides one busted coverage that was the lone touchdown for the Bengals in this game. Uh, the secondary held uh, largely held up held up there into the bargain, combining to only allow uh, five first downs all game long. The loss against the Bengals uh, dropped the Broncos' playoff chances to 8.3%, according to ESPN's FPI. They now sit at 12th in conference standings despite being just a game out, and the Dolphins leapfrogged them with the conference record tiebreaker on Sunday with the uh, Dolphins beating the Jets uh, on Sunday. Uh, it's looking very bleak for the Broncos, but they have a winnable game this upcoming week as they close out their divisional schedule, taking on the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday. The Raiders have dropped five of their last six since their bye week and had their game against the Browns move to Monday due to an outbreak of COVID-19 in the Browns locker room, meaning the Raiders will also be operating on a short week before they take on the Broncos. They've lost five out of their last six before this Browns game. I'm recording before that Browns game is over. Um, the Raiders will also be taking on uh, the Browns on Monday. I just said that. But before before that, Vegas had a negative 12.7 average scoring marg- margin in the previous three games, which ranked it dead last in the NFL. A lot of it coming from that uh, Chiefs game that was a few weeks ago where they lost 48-6. to um, It's just kind of been a mess in Vegas since the bye week. They're averaging uh, nearly 10 penalties a game in the past three games, giving, uh, giving up nearly 8 yards per pass play. And opponents have scored nearly 80% of the time when they get into the red zone against the Raiders in the past three games. We will see what team comes out against the Browns on Monday, and that uh, that could give some sort of indication of what the uh, Broncos could expect. And with Teddy Bridgewater more than likely sidelined for this matchup due to the concussion, the Raiders have jumped out to one-and-a-half-point favorites on Monday before their game against the Browns. We will see if the Broncos can stay in the playoff hunt when they take on the uh, Raiders on Sunday with pregame scheduled for noon and kickoff scheduled for 225 on 1410 AM and 106.9 FM KWYO. Week 15 isn't over just yet in the NFL with four more games coming on Monday and Tuesday, but let's take a look at the rest of the games that transpired on Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. It started with a great matchup on Thursday between the Chiefs and Chargers, probably the game of the week where the Chiefs won in overtime 34-28. Patrick Mahomes is now 12-0 in road division games in his career, and the Chiefs are now 10-4 have won seven in a row and are now the one seed in the AFC after the the, uh, Patriots lost on Saturday. The panic that set in after the Chiefs got blown out by the Titans feels like forever ago now. Um, They probably could lie. They're, they're, I don't know what to say about the Chiefs, man. They they feel like they could have one of those games where the, the defense just falls apart again, but they're on such a roll right now, it's hard to see them losing again. They're the one seed in the AFC, and honestly, they deserve it at this point. I mean, what more can you say? Uh, speaking of the Patriots, they played on Saturday and fell to the Colts 27-17. to This was the first game between the Colts and Patriots where neither team had Tom Brady or Peyton Manning since 1997. as the year I was born, so that's weird. Jonathan Taylor for the Colts might be the MVP frontrunner right now after uh, Tom Brady laid an egg against the Saints on Sunday with the Bucs. Uh, Taylor ran for 170 yards and a touchdown on 29 carries in the win against the Pats. Not only did he dominate the game, he was the entire Colts offense. They had less than 50 passing yards, and it was the Colts' first win with fewer than 50 pass yards since 1983. 
when they were still the Baltimore Colts. Uh, the Colts' defense also played well, holding New England scoreless for the first half of the game for the first time, or excuse me, holding New England scoreless for the first half of a game for the first time in their last 100 games. And the Colts are the only team in the NFL with more than one takeaway in each game this season. Indy is now 8-6, and six, and even though the winning, winning of the division is still unlikely, uh, especially with the Titans still in that division, even though the Titans have not looked good, uh, this is a team you do not, the Colts are not a team you want to see in the playoffs as a wild card team. Now we jump to Sunday, and uh, we will get this one out of the way now. The Toilet Bowl, the Houston Texans went on the road and beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 32-16. Uh, the first game post-Urban Meyer went about as well as anyone would expect. They're still not going, uh, they're still not a good team no matter who is coaching, even though Daryl Bevel became the first person in NFL history to serve as an interim head coach in two straight seasons. However, they are now on the cusp of uh, having the number one overall pick for the second straight season. Quarterback Trevor Lawrence has really skirted his way under the radar this season. Uh, this game was his 10th game where he had a sub-75 passer rating. That's the most for a rookie QB since Deshaun Kaiser back in 2017. Uh, the Texans have now surprisingly beaten Jacksonville eight times in a row, and this game was just the eighth time the Texans have scored 10-plus points this season, dead last in the league. The Bills were at home and beat up the Carolina Panthers 31-14. They beat up bad teams. Each of Buffalo's eight wins have come by 15 points or more, but the Chiefs are the only team they have beaten that has a winning record. A uh, bad sign for the Bills uh, if they make the playoffs, if they make the playoffs, and uh, they are very good at beating bad teams, but who knows against good teams. We have yet to see them beat a very solid team. The Chiefs team, the Chiefs game does not count. In my personal record book, it doesn't count. I mean, it, it counts as a win, obviously, but that was right in the middle of when the Chiefs were having their defensive downfall. And now, I mean, if I'm going Chiefs-Bills on a neutral field right now, I'm going Chiefs 100%. I'll go Chiefs minus three and a half right now um, if it was Chiefs-Bills on a neutral field. Um, what if I told you this season, the Panthers started this season 3-0. and That feels weird, right? They have now lost nine of their last 11 games, and Cam Newton has lost 12 straight starts for the Panthers, dating all the way back to 2018. Josh Allen's score in the fourth quarter was the 100 was his uh, 127th career pass and rush touchdown. Only uh, Dan Marino had more among players in their first four seasons in NFL history. And Allen and Newton are the only Q, are the only two QBs in NFL history to have 25 plus rush touchdowns in their first four seasons. Uh, the Bill the Bills win sets up a massive game against the Patriots next week with the winner of that matchup taking control of the division. And the winner could clinch the AFC East uh, divisional title with a Dolphins loss to the Saints in Week 16 as well. It's not really an AFC East championship game, but it more or less is if the Dolphins lose to the Saints that Sunday. Um, in the, quote, what the hell just happened game of the week, the Detroit Lions were at home and blew out the Arizona Cardinals 30-12. The Cardinals came into this game having won every road game this season by double digits and would have clinched a playoff berth with a win here. Uh, there have been just two teams to sport the league's best record and suffer a late-season loss to the team with the worst record and win the Super Bowl that same year, the 1995 Cowboys and the 2004 New England Patriots. Here is an even weirder stat. The Lions are 4-0-1 in their last five games against the Cardinals with their last loss coming way back in 2015. And Jared Goff is now 8-1 against the Cardinals in his career, including winning seven in a row. The Cardinals' 17-point halftime deficit was uh, their largest on the road since 2018 when Kyler Murray was still uh, at quarterback for Oklahoma. 
Wouldn't it be great if you could get McDonald's delivered right to your door? Well, now you can. McDonald's has teamed up with the delivery app DoorDash. Just download the DoorDash app in the App Store and you'll see the McDonald's menu. Order your favorite McDonald's food and have it delivered right to your door. It's super easy and convenient to have your favorite McDonald's delivered. Go to the App Store, download the DoorDash app, and have McDonald's delivered to your house or business today. Uh, the Dolphins were at home and beat the New York Jets 31-24. to The Dolphins are now 7-7 seven and seven and have won six straight games. Brian Flores should at the very least be looked at for coach of the year for coach of the year for how he's turned um, turned that team around from 1 and 7 to 7 7 they could have thrown in the towel so long ago but they got a chance to make the playoffs they still only have a 5.6% chance to make the playoffs according to ESPN's per, uh, FPI but uh, being at 1 and 7 at one point uh, to even be in the conversation is saying something uh, about this team they're also 19 and 0 in games when scoring 30 plus points since 2015 they're the only team without a loss in those games uh, the 24 points they gave up this week was the first time they had given up more than 18 in five straight games, which was the longest streak since 2010. Uh, for the Jets, it just keeps getting worse. A Jets QB got sacked in the 49th straight game, which is the longest active streak in the NFL. And they also have one plus giveaway in 13 games this season, the most in the league. And they've also now been mathematically eliminated from playoff contention, if we didn't know that already, for the 11th straight season tied for the longest playoff drought in team history. The Steelers got a boost to their playoff chances, beating the Tennessee Titans 19-13. Joe Hayden had one of the best tackles of the season on a 4th-7 and seven, uh, slant route, and uh, that basically they, uh, the Titan ride receiver caught it at the one, at the the with one yard to gain, and uh, Joe Hayden held him, held and brought him down before he could make the uh, make the first down marker, and it was... Uh, it was a great tackle, and it won the Steelers the game pretty much. Uh, the Titans have a minus nine turnover differential in their last four games, and have committed more turnovers in that time than they have in the ten than they had in the ten games prior. It was their fifth game this season with three plus giveaways. Meanwhile, for the Steelers, they had only 168 total yards, which was the fewest in a win since 2010. Their defense has been stout as well. Um, it was their 52nd time since 2018 where they had two plus sacks, and T.J. Watt has a very real shot. At uh, Michael Strahan's sack record, Watt has uh, 17 and a half sacks with three games to go, and the record, I believe, is 22 and a half. So TJ Watt only needs a big game, and um, he's sitting pretty. He's sitting right there to uh, break that record. Granted, Michael Strahan's sack record was uh, in a 16 game season, so do with that what you will. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys went on the road and beat the shorthanded New York Giants 21 to 6. Dallas's defense hasn't been too stellar this year, they have forced takeaways all season long. They forced four plus takeaways in three pl- in three straight games since uh, for the first time since 1994, and uh, they are the first team since 2007 since the 2007 Chargers to have a player with 10 plus interceptions, Trayvon Diggs, and 10 plus sacks, uh, Micah Parsons. Um, but this was their ninth straight game where they allowed 100 plus rush yards, the first time since 2000 that they have done that. Uh, their offense has been shaky as well these past few weeks especially Dak Prescott, who can't help but think is still battling that tra- that calf strain that he got a couple weeks ago. He just has not looked very good. He's missing he's missing throws downfield. He's not throwing it at his downfield, um, as much downfield as he as he was before he got hurt. So a little concerning, but uh, a, win, a, a win is a win nonetheless. Um, the Cowboys were able to lean on their running backs in this one with Pollard and Elliott both going over 70 yards each on 34 total touches with Elliott scoring a touchdown for the Giants. Uh, for the Giants, no Daniel Jones meant a bad time for Giants fans. Mike Glennon made the start 
and became the first giant starting quarterback to throw for under 100 yards and have a sub-25 passer rating since Danny Cannell back in 1998. Glennon is now 6-24 as a starter with his last win coming back in 2017. The San Francisco 49ers were at home and beat the Atlanta Falcons 31-13. This game had two different Swiss Army knives going at it against one another. Niner wideout Debo Samuel became the first wide receiver with a rushing touchdown in five straight games, and his rushing touchdown in the second quarter was his seventh of the season. No other wide receiver in the Super Bowl era has had more than four in a single season. Meanwhile, for the Falcons, Cordero Patterson is the only player in Falcons history with five rushing touchdowns and five receiving touchdowns in a single season. This is also the sixth straight game where Matt Ryan has had uh, fewer than two passing touchdowns, his longest streak since 2017. The, the Niners have now won five of their last six games and could very quietly win the NFC West. They they need a lot of help for it to happen, but they're hot right now, man. They could. The Cardinals are free-falling. The Rams are kind of iffy. You have no idea. Plus, they have a ton of players on the COVID list. The Niners could sneak in and do it. You never know. Uh, they have an, I think I said, I think I read it was a 0.8% chance to win the division, but they've got the right ingredients to do it. I mean, they're they're hot right now. The other teams are falling. Uh, the Cardinals look very iffy in the Rams COVID list. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know who's going to come out on top, but I think the Niners have a very decent chance. 0.8% seems low to me right now. Uh, the Niners now have an 84% chance to make the playoffs, according to FBI. But they, uh, F FPI, they do have a ch uh, tough schedule coming up with games against the Titans and the Rams. Uh, the Green Bay Packers went on the road and squeaked out a victory over the Baltimore Ravens 31-30. You can't help but feel a little bit bad for the Ravens. They have been absolutely decimated by injuries and uh, COVID problems. But Tyler Huntley, backup quarterback, stepped in for Lamar Jackson, uh, Lamar Jackson and played great. Uh, for the backup, passing for two touchdowns and running for two in his first start, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Aaron Rodgers for most of the game. Uh, Huntley's favorite target in this one was tight end Mark Andrews, who had 10 receptions for 136 yards and two touchdowns and became the first tight end in Ravens history with 1,000 receiving yards and a single season. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers tied his predecessor slash, we'll say slash nemesis, Brett Favre for the most passing touchdowns in Packer history. With 442, you got to believe he's probably going to break that record next weekend. Uh, finally, the New Orleans Saints went on the road and pulled off the massive upset, shutting out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 9 to nothing. It had been 15 years and 255 straight starts since Tom Brady had been shut out, and it was the only it was only the third time and it it had ever happened uh, to Tom Brady. Uh, New Orleans didn't score a touchdown either. They they kicked three field goals and won nine to nothing. The Saints, for whatever reason, seem to be the team that the that have Tampa Bay and Tom's number. Uh, the Saints have now won seven straight games against Tampa Bay, tied for the longest winning streak by either team in the rivalry. Rivalry. They forced the Bucks to punt eight times, their most since 2016, and they're the first team to beat Tom Brady in four straight regular season games. Uh, Saints defensive end Cam Jordan also became the second player in Saints history with 100 plus career sacks since 1982, when sacks became a stat. Uh, we still have four games to go uh, for Week 15 coming up uh, this on coming up on Monday, and uh, and then on Tuesday to finish off Week 15. But uh, that is the recap of the games played so far, and I think that's going to wrap things up for me, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you all for tuning in so much. A quick programming note before I before I forget this entirely. Um, I will be well. Well, let's just say this: the we the po the podcast will not be updated next week, if that makes sense. Uh, I am going on a short vacation. Um, 
I will be out that week. So no podcast for next week, but we will be hitting the ground running come next that Monday after that. I think it's January 3rd or something like that with a with a New Year's podcast. We'll talk about a bunch of different stuff, predictions, what have you. I'm just thinking about it on the fly. I don't actually know what we're going to do. I type it all up on Monday. A little peek behind the looking glass. All right. I'm talking too much. That's going to wrap it up for me, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the Weekend Sports Podcast. Uh, Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast. I have been your host, James Timberlake. Thank you all for tuning in.